Hello, and welcome back to the Lunatics Radio Hour podcast. I'm Abby. That's Alan. Hello. And today we are talking about headless horsemen and women. Plural. Yeah. Not the headless horseman. No, we're talking about the origins of the headless horseman trope. It's a whole... Wow, I didn't know there was a whole trope. I mean, I think it was more of a thing, actually, back in the ancient-ish times we're going to talk about than it has become now, because we're all, like, aware of the headless horseman of Sleepy Hollow. But there's actually a lot of different um, regions and cultures that had versions of that that we're going to talk about today. Are you saying that people are just far less preoccupied with myths about people that ride horses these days i guess that makes sense yeah yeah i I think that's i think that's a contributing factor but i mean the movie has been remade a few times like there's a few different sleepy hollow stories you know it was like a tim burton thing i mean yeah well i mean i don't want to jump the gun here starting talking about modern headless horsemen yeah that comes later in the that comes later so i'm gonna i'll table that for now cool because i assume there's something else you want to talk about first well, there's always a little bit of housekeeping, isn't there? I mean, not always. Well, today there is. There is? Quite a bit of housekeeping. Okay, so everyone... Here Take com- out your pens and papers. Here comes the housekeeping. <laughs> and let's jump in. So in a few days, it's Thanksgiving. And last year, actually, a friend brought this organization to my attention. And it's a really cool organization. It's called the American Indian College Fund. And it, it just like it sounds, it helps to provide college tuition for uh, indig- the indigenous people of the United States. So I'll leave a link. In oh, that's the- awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, and so I'll leave a link in the description, but I think it's a cool way to, a cool thing to learn about, A, and to look into, and mm-hmm. um, if you can donate a really worthy cause. That's so really cool. Yeah, yeah. So I'll leave that in the description. So a few days ago, I had a pretty cool experience, which I'm not sure if I told you about in too much detail. Did it involve a spider in the corner of your bathroom? No, it wasn't a spider, A. It was an unknown type of small bug. But this was different. This was um, a astrology reading that I had with, like, a friend of a friend. We, like, connected on Instagram, and it ended up being a two-and-a-half-hour astrology reading. And it was super— Is that, is that typical? I've never had—well, actually, I've, I have had—remember the thing that Lena gave me for my birthday? That was an astrology reading. And that was about a half an hour. What is the difference between an astrology reading and just like pulling a tarot card? When I say astrology reading, that's probably not (laughs) the like official term. It's uh, it's looking at your and there's probably a lot of different versions of this. But what this was and I which I've had a few times is looking at your natal chart, which is like how the stars natal. Yeah. Like so how the stars and the planets or how the planets were in the sky when you were born. Okay. Which is the whole idea of astrology, right? Like, that's what all of that means. And You say that like I knew that. Well, okay. So maybe we need to do an episode on astrology. but Maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's about kind of like understanding the sky the moment you were born and how that might impact things about you now. Um, so essentially, this uh, really awesome person who's a friend of our dear friend, Janissa, who's been in so much of our work and Mm -hmm. she's awesome so they gave me a two and a half hour like reading via zoom Mm -hmm. and they went through like every different aspect of my chart right and really explained it and they kick off the call by saying like what's your level of comfortability with astrology so they can tailor it to like you know because i'm for example it would probably be a little bit more advanced than you would be right i mean 
Why? Well, you just asked me what astrology was. Yeah, but you don't need to know that. So in this, like uh, maybe reading is not the right word, but in this consultation, it was really used as like a tool to clarify and affirm and empower like things that I wanted to talk about about myself. So it's like therapy. Kind of. I mean, not really at all, but like really affirming, really um, just fun and wholesome and felt like I left it feeling, first of all, it didn't feel like it was two and a half hours. It felt like it flew by. Like it was this really interesting conversation. I was taking notes the whole time. Mm -hmm. They really like make space for what you want to talk about. It's about like sort of educating you on this really ancient practice and then kind of like applying it in modern principles, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's cool. So anyway, if you're interested in learning more and maybe getting a reading it's super accessible it's super inclusive and affordable their name is ey washington he they pronouns you can find them on instagram at embody heaven and i'll leave uh the links below or you can email them directly at astro at eywashington.com cool yeah so if you're into it it's also a really cool holiday gift if somebody in your life's really into astrology it'd be i'm sure they could figure out how to do that with you, but it'd be a cool even, thing. Even if they're not, maybe it's just a fun something they've never tried. Totally. I mean, I really would recommend it to anybody, regardless of your like comfortability with astrology, because it really is just sort of like a motivational hug almost, you know? I mean, that's an endorsement. Yeah. I want a motivational hug. Also, this week, we are going to be launching our bonus episodes on Patreon. So our first one will come out this week. Did you think of a name for the series i did actually and i'm sure this will change but i'm in a movie club right and i was like well this is kind of that's, that's how you met michael so i met michael yeah and i was like this is going to be kind of like michael crosa from jollyville from jollyville yes thank you listen to their podcast but this is going to be sort of like a horror movie club right you and i are going to talk about movies we're going to watch movies we're going to we love watching movies yeah and they're all going to be horror or weird or sci-fi um mm-hmm so, yeah, so head over to Patreon again. There's always a link below. It's a really great way to support the show. We're working really hard to bring you really, like, quality bonus content and perks there. Mm-hmm. So check that out. Cool. Also, next on the bulletin board. Last but not least? Two things left. Okay. Just a reminder about the giveaway. What giveaway? You give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and or rate and review on Apple Podcasts, we will send you some stickers in the mail. What, what, what else could they do? Something with... You went on a whole rant about taking 50 Polaroids and getting 50 stamps from the post office. So yeah, if somebody is yeah, up if you, for... If you do that, you, you win also. Yeah, so just DM me on Facebook or on Instagram. Um, if you rate and review, and uh, I will make sure you get some fun surprises in the mail. No, it wasn't. It wasn't Polaroids. It was. I just listened to it. I thought if you just take our flyer. Uh-huh. And you, you said pu- if you took, if somebody put up a flyer, and then they took 50 Polaroids of it and mailed it to 50 friends. That's what you said. What? That's crazy. It's <laughs> like I, the ramblings think, of a madman. I think if you put up multiple flyers for mm-hmm. Olympics radio hour mm-hmm. and then just s- send us the photos of those flyers in different locations uh-huh doesn't have to be polaroids it can be digital <laughs> okay i think that should count as an entry sure not an entry you just win the damn stickers right, right? it's not an entry right yeah. anyone who does it will get stickers exactly i mean it is a contest it's that, you're a contest. Gu- that you're guaranteed to win like that's everyone's sure. favorite type of contest sure it's a sure thing yeah 
almost unheard of in the gambling world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know us. We like to make things really easy. You can send us an email. Send us a DM. We're ready. We got sticker packs locked and loaded. <laughs> okay, the last thing is a little bit uh, out of left field. A little triggering. No, it's not triggering. It's actually pretty cool. But, um, well, it's interesting. So I found out about this via a blog that was writing about it. And essentially, it's a YouTube ghost hunting series. Okay. Called Queer Ghost Hunters. Okay. And it's queer ghost hunters. And, like, you know, it's very much a part of what they talk about on the show. It's like... Are the ghost hunters queer? Or are they hunting for queer ghosts? Both. Interesting. So their theory is this, which I think is really interesting. Like, a lot of the places, like, mental hospitals, places that are known now for being haunted, like... um uh what's it called the where all the nuns live a convent Mm -hmm. are places where they're like now that with modern eyes we're looking back in a historical lens we know that a lot of the persecution in like a mental hospital is that somebody was somebody was trans somebody was queer right or um they didn't fit into society in quotes and like the way that other people did Okay. Or uh, it's also like you know a thing in convents that women have girlfriends right with other nuns like they actually talk in the in the show about how they're called particular friends. Oh. If you uh, have a, like a, a lover nun, nun lover. Lover nun? <laughs> yeah. So. That's exciting. Yeah. So anyway, so their theory is like a lot of these places are like known to kind of have this sort of community that was oppressed. And so why can't they as queer ghost hunters sort of go and try to talk directly to those spirits, right, that have lived on? That's pretty cool. Yeah, and there's a lot. I don't think they're still making episodes, but... Um, I mean, that's why that we just need to research their following. Yeah, and and there's a lot of there's a lot of content to get through. I've only watched, like, a few episodes. episodes now. Um, but they have, like, seasons and everything, so you can kind of go back and start from the beginning. Cool. Yeah. Do they travel a lot? I'm not sure. The first one takes place in Toledo, Ohio. It's interesting, too, because they're all U.S. ghost hunters, it seems. Well, I mean, if it's a YouTube series, they're not traveling internationally. But the the guy who does the narration uh-huh. is British. Well, I mean, obviously. They like hired on a British voice actor to make it sound more like an official ghost hunting show. But it's edited. Like, it's shot and edited. It's like a professional show. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like oh, gotcha. YouTubers. Okay. It looks like a show. I was, I was picturing something that was very small and self-funded. I, it might be, but I think they had like some money. I mean, if they've got British voiceover money. <laughs> yeah. That, they're pretty serious. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. So anyway, it's so, cool. Someday this, this app, we're, we're just going to replace ourselves with British voice actors. Oh, wow. Yeah. And what, we'll just get a cut? Yeah, we'll just get a cut. All right. And that concludes the housekeeping portion of the episode. Woohoo! On to the research. Okay. So, what are we talking? Oh, Headless Horseman. <laughs> Headless Horseman. Sources. I watched a few videos from Mythology and Fiction Explained from YouTube. And, of course, my best friend in the whole world, Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. You're probably familiar with the legend of Sleepy Hollow and the tale of Ichabod Crane. I am. Thank you. (laughs) But headless horsemen are mythical figures that have appeared in legends since ancient times. Today, we are going to talk about several historical iterations of this myth and the modern pop culture that those tales inspired. Okay. So we're going to break this out sort of into different uh, regions and the folklore associated with those regions. So the first is Irish. If I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. The headless horseman is a type of specter known as a Durahan? Doolahan? Wow. Is that correct? Did you just look that up? No. 
Yeah. Because well, now, let me talk we're, about it. now we're back into we're back into the the Fay. Yeah, exactly. That's why we're starting there. As I wrote on my paper, let's start with something familiar. You may remember from our Celtic mythology episode that Alan just talked about the Fay, known as the Doolahan or Dark Man from Irish folklore. You had it right on the head. Well, this is what happens when you just play countless hours of Castlevania. You get attacked <laughs> by the Doolahan, which is. This asshole on a horse with no head. Yeah. And you can hit him, but he doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. Sounds pretty traumatic. I mean, he's, he's not that hard. Okay. Uh, so the Doolahan is a dark spirit that brings death and decay to the Irish countryside. It dresses in black and rides a horse as it looks for souls to claim. Mm-hmm. A Doolahan is known as a dark fae, and it's often seen carrying its own head under its arm. The decapitated heads of Doolahan are haunting in their own way. Besides being totally removed from the body, they are known to have a sinister grin and eyes that dart back and forth, surveying all of its surroundings. The eyes are also illuminated, so you can always see them coming, even in the dark. Sounds like a jack-o'-lantern. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, in, some, in a lot of depictions, it is depicted with a jack-o'-lantern head. There's a benefit to their missing heads. Doolahans can now lift their heads up high and use their notoriously sharp vision to see much further than they'd be able to if their heads were still attached to their necks. There is also a special significance to this headless horseman because the Irish people believed that the head was the home to the soul. Mm. In battles, victors would often remove the heads of fallen soldiers to keep as trophies. They thought these heads would act as a source of power and supernatural protection. They're not wrong. No, I mean... Maybe, or maybe it's a curse to steal somebody's head. Do you have heads here that act as protection? Is that why you said that? I mean, one can dream. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he has a horse whip that's composed of human spines. A horse whip? You know, like you a mean whip. a riding crop? No. What's a horse whip then? Like a a, a whip to horse a whip. That's what it's a riding crop. It's like a little little stick. Okay, if that's for a racing horse, but I'm talking about like. A normal, like, horse from the friggin' 1400s. You would use an actual whip to whip your own horse? I wouldn't. I'm not a monster, but people did. Look it up. I don't know. Hang on. Very interesting. So a horse whip, so a riding crop is a very short horse whip. Okay, so I'm right. You you are there. They are different things. Yes. Okay, great. And they're used in different applications. It's believed that when the Doolahan stops riding, he calls out a name and that person dies immediately. Betty! <laughs> in later versions, a Doolahan is seen riding a coach known as a silent coach or a death coach. Doolahan can appear as feminine or masculine. Versions of this myth say that wearing gold or wielding gold may be the only thing that can help save you from the call of a Doolahan. However, if you are unlucky enough to innocently cross paths with one, mm-hmm. without being its target, but just say you get in the way, yeah. they may spare you, but at a high price, your sight. Oh, they take your eyes? Well, now you may be wondering how the Doolahan will blind you. And that's a very good question, Alan. It's got this rusty spoon. <laughs> they may throw blood in your face, or they may hit you with their human spine whip. Either way, it's not a very good situation. Human spine. That's pretty, it's pretty metal. It's very metal. There is no way to hide from the Doolahan. They don't need to see you to kill you, only to say your name. 
The Doolahan act as a grim reaper of Irish folklore. So do they speak out of their severed head or the little stump on their neck? No, their head is active. Their head is alive. Oh, okay. Like, you know, remember how the eyes are darting, they use it to see. It's still like in this folklore, it's still connected. It's like an active part of the body. It's just separated. Got it. So, well, in, you know, the traditional American headless horseman, he's just without a head. No, he's not. He has a pumpkin. He's got a pumpkin in place of his head, but it's not his head. Yeah. Well, it's been Americanized, as with all things, right? Have you ever worn a pumpkin on your head? No. I have. Okay. Well, can tell us what it's like? No, it's kind of gross. <laughs> makes your hair all wet. I imagine so. Yeah. I have some friends who every year carve out like pumpkins backwards so that the stump is on the, or the handle. What's it oh. called? So the stem is on the top. That's right. You have to do it from the bottom. And then wear them around like brooklyn <laughs> it's like a pretty funny like series of videos but uh in practice it's a little bit gross i'd imagine so mm-hmm. well okay shall we talk about welsh and irish folklore i thought we were just talking about irish folklore you're right should we talk about welsh and english folklore sure you may remember reading sir gowan and the green knight in english class in high school i did uh sir gowan and the green knight is a 14th century Arthurian poem in the poem, one of the knights of Arthur's round table is challenged to a duel by an unknown green knight. The proposal is that Sir Gowan will be able to strike the green knight one time, and then a year and a day later, the green knight will be able to strike Sir Gowan one time. Gowan accepts, and he is able to behead the green knight with his super sharp axe with one blow, right? So this is like a... they're not they're not jousting? No. Or with his sword or whatever. So they, they went straight for the melee. Right. So they had one one strike. And his weapon was so sharp that he immediately beheaded the Green Knight's head. So he just like let him get a free hit in? Yeah. That was the arrangement. So Sir Gowan mm-hmm. gets to strike the Green Knight mm-hmm. today once. A year and a day from today. The knight, the green knight gets to strike Sir Gowan. Got it. And he's like, good luck with that because you don't have a head. Right. So it's sort of like a duel, but like with a lot of pre, a lot of additional conditions. It's like the, it's like dueling with pistols, but you get the free shots. Right. But here's the plot twist. Mm-hmm. The green knight picks up his head and places it back on his neck and leaves. Ah, oh, what a cheater. Uh-huh. Freaking sore loser. Yeah. He's taking his ball and going home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then Gowan goes on a super, super, super long journey (laughs) to find the Green Knight, right? Through, it's like Zelda. He's out there, he's in the wilderness, he's traveling. He's really nervous about this guy coming back after him? I'm saying just like the traveling part, like through the wilderness. But why is he traveling? Because he's trying to find this knight, this Green Knight, that just fucking bested him in front of all his friends. I don't think he bested him. He cut off his head. He just happened to be able to pick it up afterwards. Right. He was like, yeah, you're an idiot. (laughs) So he's taunting him too. Gowan goes on a journey to find the Green Knight. After he locates him, the Green Knight explains that he was transformed by King Arthur's sister, our very favorite Morgan Le Fay, Mm -hmm. to have these magical powers. Oh, so he came in cheating. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He knew he was a cheater. He also reveals that this was all a plot to expose how chivalrous King Arthur's knights really are. And obviously, they are, right? So, Gowan cuts off Green Knight's head. 
mm-hmm. then goes on a crusade to hunt down the reanimated corpse of this guy. And Which this, takes him, like, you know, the best part of a year. Sure. Okay. Like, it's a true Zelda mission Okay, he, he, he makes good time. It's like me playing Breath in the Wild. Got it. Maybe shorter than that. But how does that prove that Gowan is chivalrous? So, like, we're, we don't need to get stuck in the particulars of the poem, right? The, sure. the idea is that this was an Arthurian poem that is very old mm-hmm. that has this same idea of decapitation and being able to live without a head and having that be kind of like a mechanic in the storytelling. Got it. So no horses were involved in this tale. No, but it's a very, very famous tale that is still taught to this day in school, which is why I'm mentioning it. Got it. Which I did a whole project on, but I have no memory at all of. So Drunken college years. I think it was high school. Drunken high school years. <laughs> no. My parents are going to think that for the last few episodes, they keep talking, I, they're going to think I was wild and I was not. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Scottish folklore. So we don't have a ton of information around the Scottish headless horsemen of legend, but it's super interesting and it comes up kind of a lot online, even though there's not a lot known about it. Okay. What you got? He is known as a man named Ewan, E-W-A-N. Okay. Who had aspirations to be the leader of his clan, right? He was sort of like a normal level guy and he really wanted to be the the leader. Real go-getter. Yeah. He had ambitions. Yeah. Headed straight to the top. That's right. (laughs) Except uh, during a battle on the Isle of Maul, Ewan and his horse were decapitated. They were both decapitated. With one fell swoop? Uh Uh-huh. One fell swoop. Who did it? The Green Knight. The Green Knight? No, I'm just kidding. Oh. Um, you know, it was a a battle. And, of course, Ewan and his headless horse still haunt the area looking for their lost heads. So that's the island, Isle of Maul. Did you know that the Japanese actually have a special sword mm-hmm. made for decapitating horse and rider in one fell swoop? Really? Mm-hmm. No. It's called the Zanpakuto, uh, which might sound familiar from video games and anime. Mm-hmm. But the real life origins of it are just pretty badass. Yeah. And so do you know, like, it was, I assume it was meant for like battle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, when you're faced with a cavalry charge, Mm -hmm. the person on the horse is at great advantage to the person who's, you know, right without. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's why, you know, the, the uh, European battle lines would mm-hmm. have the the pikemen mm-hmm. because you know you just make the big line of pikes what's a pikeman so uh it's you, you know like a well they'd be holding pikes so it's uh basically like a long spear that has uh some extra broad heads on it got it and it's one of the great one of the its main uses is to unseat cavalry Oh, got it, got it. Interesting. And but it's made to be used from the ground. Mm-hmm. The Japanese just went for a much more badass approach mm-hmm. uh, when just having this really heavy sword that, with just one swing, <sighs> just cuts through the horse's head and the rider. That's brutal. That's really brutal. It reminds. It doesn't remind me of this, but it makes me think of the battle scene from Lord of the Rings when finally all the horses come down the hill, and you're like, "Fuck yeah!" Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. It's a good feeling. It's a good scene. Right. Because the orcs form, they, they form lines mm-hmm. with pikes mm-hmm. and spears and all those things. And, you know, the first, well, they just crash through them. Yeah. But 
that that's basically just the European approach to it. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So, and it's very interesting actually because it leads into our final folklore, which is the American legend. Okay. So before we talk about the legend of Sleepy Hollow, we're going to talk about the story that inspired the legend of Sleepy Hollow. This written by Washington Irving. So when was the original story written? So it was published in 1820. Oh. But all of this that we're going to talk about that inspired it obviously happened before all of that. You picture pre-America America, really. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't know. I, I Maybe I'm just so tied up with the Johnny Depp movie. Well, so the inspiration happened around the Revolutionary War. Mm. Um, but before we get into that, so I actually visited the grave of Washington Irving. Oh? Because it's in a Sleepy Hollow Cemetery in Sleepy Hollow, New York. Okay. Which you can go to and take tours of if it's not COVID. Mm-hmm. And we took like a midnight lantern, you know, nighttime tour of the cemetery that's cool. Yeah, it's not that far out of the city. It's super, um, like, full of interesting graves. It's a huge cemetery, and it's very well-preserved, um, very New Englandy. y mm-hmm. uh, You know, lots of really crazy different uh, mausoleums and gravestones. Is his grave grandiose? No. It's a little small. I mean, they've kind of had, like, a wrought iron fence around it now. Got it. There's a lot of really, really, like, important, rich other people that are buried there mm-hmm. um and as part of so it, it, it pale you know so it looks like an old gravestone compared to those mm-hmm. graves um and you they actually as part of the tour they at least at the time would bring you into one of the mausoleums and close the door and it was the mausoleum of the guy who was in dark shadows which was that vampire like soap opera dark shadows yeah my mom used to watch it so i used to watch it with her and they have like his name was what was it the actor who played barnabas collins um you go into his grave or his mausoleum Mm -hmm. they have like a little shrine to him set up in there and they close the door and it's kind of creepy but the reason why they do is because it's like a big open mausoleum that you can go into what's interesting we actually talked about dark shadows on the vampire episode because that soap opera inspired a bunch of people who are like real vampires to like come out and have a community got it yeah has there been any kind of resurgence in the modern community about real life headless horsemen <laughs> should we start it should we start a community i i personally don't resonate with that mm. but i you know i don't i want everyone to live their lives i agree yeah well let us know if you need help facilitating a meetup and we can we can jump in do doula hands anonymous <laughs> yeah it's a cool cemetery after covid Go get a tour. Mm-hmm. Support them. Um, and all of the like tour guides are like, uh, you know, theater people. So it's a very fun experience. We're going to look back at the Battle of White Plains during the Revolutionary War. Okay. It's interesting because of the battle that we're going to talk about. This is a real thing that happened, obviously. Took place on October 28th, just a few days before Halloween, which is why we end up seeing this like jack-o'-lantern pumpkin motif over and over again. Okay. And it's obviously it's a creepy thing, but it's that sort of like started its association with Halloween. Wait, were people celebrating Halloween back then? I think so. With jack-lanterns and pumpkins and... Yeah, wow. I think they would have been, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. As as we know from our History of Halloween episode. That's right. It does go back quite far, but it's still interesting to think There's... that colonial America celebrated halloween in a very similar way we do i mean have you seen like on reddit there's old halloween photos from that time no and it's like the most fucked up disturbing it looks like 
cr- it looks like everybody's leather face. Oh. Like they're wearing the craziest. These kids are wearing the craziest, scariest, weirdest costumes. Everything is like creepy clown, but like they're really intense. They're hard to look at sometimes, but there's like whole tons of footage or, or photos of that you can find in like weird archives and stuff. So there was a Hessian horseman who fought in this battle. Hessian? And I will tell you, I'm so, I was going to see if you knew what it was. The heck is a Hessian? A Hessian soldier were German auxiliary fighters that served for the British during the Revolutionary War. How about that? Yep. Hessian. Hessian. German auxiliary. So they were Germans. Uh-huh. German mercenaries? They were Germans that were fighting for the British. Fighting for the British. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they were soldiers. Yeah. So in the battle for White Plains, one Hessian trooper lost his head to a cannonball. His body was buried in the old Dutch church of Sleepy Hollow, but his head had been blasted into so many pieces on the battlefield that it wasn't able to be collected. And you can see where this is going. Mm -hmm. It was believed that he would rise from the grave trying to find his head. As they do. Because this happened so closely to Halloween, sometimes the headless horseman is portrayed holding a pumpkin for a head because he could grab one as a proxy while on the hunt for his own. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is the sort of, like, tale that Washington Irving, who then came to... uh, Now, would he take the pumpkin and throw it like a little firebomb? Usually when you have, like, a candle in a jack-o'-lantern, if you threw it, it would just go out. It wouldn't create, like, a fireball. Well, so, obviously, in the Tim Burton movie... Yeah. he He can throw his pumpkin head into a house... And it's like Molotov cocktail. It just caused the whole house to explode. Right. Which I, even a Molotov cocktail wouldn't, but still, you know, it's a firebomb. Yeah. And so I I was wondering, because that's also, you know, the, the Spider-Man villain, Green Goblin, mm-hmm. takes little pumpkins. I feel like somehow every episode we end up talking about Spider-Man villains. And he just, he throws them and they're, they're these little pumpkin bombs. Uh-huh. I'm wondering if there's some historical tie between the two. I don't think there's any historical ties between pumpkin bombs now. We're going to have to. I don't think that's a historical thing. So we'll have to table that one for now until further research is conducted. Yeah, you can take the lead on that one. All right. So let's talk about the legend of Sleepy Hollow. Why did we speak about Spider-Man villains? Oh, so often you talk about. Name one other. Oh, besides the vampire episode when we talk about Morbius. There's multiple. Name one other. We've had 52 episodes. I'm not going to name them all, but I could pretty much pick blindly. Okay. So Washington Irving's story was first published in 1820, 200 years ago, uh, right around the time of Frankenstein's monster, along with its companion story, the story of Rip Van Winkle. Mm. It's actually a short story that lives in a book of essays and stories by the author rather than a full length piece on its own. And my dad actually uh, had like a little copy of it because they went to Sleepy Hollow at some point. And it's it's like a little tiny thing. Mm -hmm. The story? Like in a book form, it's like a really thin little pamphlet type of a thing. It's not like like a Th- book. Thomas Paine's Common Sense. <laughs> right. This is a great example of gothic fiction, actually. Uh, gothic fiction, not gothic horror. Gothic fiction or gothic horror. What's the difference? There's, I mean, we're, I'm using it inter- interchangeably here. Okay. I mean, obviously, it's a story about someone without a head. It's gothic horror. Right, but the the, the author is reliable. Or are they? I don't know. Well, you haven't read the book, so... The narr- sorry, the narrator's reliable. Is it, who's the narrator? Ichabod Crane. Very unreliable. Yeah. So it's actually one of the most enduring pieces of gothic uh, storytelling to this day, right? It's something we all are super aware of, even if we haven't read it. Okay. 
All right. <laughs> Ever yes. since we started talking about the Headless Horseman, I keep yeah. picturing an animated version. Mm-hmm. Is there a Disney? Yeah. There is. Yeah. It was like on our watch list this year and we didn't watch it on one of those streaming apps. I think that's why you're thinking of it. What is it called? I don't know. I mean, it's Disney. It can't be that terrifying. I just, I can picture Ichabod Crane all animated. Yeah. But it's a, it's a Disney movie that we just... I think it's like a little cartoon thing. I don't think it's like a full length thing, but maybe. So the story is set in 1790 in the upstate New York town um, of Sleepy Hollow, New York, which is a secluded glen within Terrytown. In the story, Ichabod Crane is competing with other suitors uh, for marriage to an 18-year-old Katrina Von Tessel. Mm-hmm. Von Tessel. So one of the other suitors plays a series of pranks on Ichabod Crane because he's a very superstitious school teacher. He does like his books. Yeah. And so he's sort of like always on edge, right? That's like his bit is that he's like a neurotic school teacher. Mm-hmm. So he's easy to trick. Got him. After a big harvest festival, Ichabod proposes to Katrina and is rejected. He rides his horse home. And I'm not going to give away the details after that, but um, you can, you know, he rides his horse home and chaos ensues. Mm. So those are all of the origin stories that I could find about the Headless Horseman. We talked about basically Europe and North America. Yeah. So we talked about Ireland, England and Wales, Scotland and the U.S. Okay, those are all the the European geographic locations are very close. Yeah, the, the, that those are all my heritage sites. Did you encounter anything in your travels mm-hmm. from Asia or anything like that? No, I didn't really encounter anything travels like around horror to those places. How about for modern day headless horsemen? I guess except going to the suicide forest. So modern day headless horsemen. Really, I, in my understanding, are different versions of this Ichabod Crane story. Because mm. I, I can only think of one. Yes. Which is from the anime Durara. Mm-hmm. And I think it's Durara, unless I'm mistaken. But in that, there is a headless motorcyclist. Oh, that's cool. And she prowls the night. Mm-hmm. Obviously, she doesn't have a head. She well, she wears a motorcycle helmet mm-hmm. just to hide the fact that she doesn't have a head, but she like, yeah, she's she I I I didn't finish the series, so we never really revealed right. her true motivations. Yeah, but she is some kind of force of vengeance. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure. Like probably, almost every culture has some kind of similar story, right? Or many of them do. I'm sure. I think it's interesting. It's interesting that she was a femme in your anime that you watched but also in the irish versions they said it's very very common and almost more so it was like women Mm -hmm. that were the headless horsemen and there's a lot of like cool fan fiction with like really you know beautiful long hair and like some cool like plays on on that having like a decapitated head with like really badass hair you know that kind of thing well it it lent itself very well to especially the modern depiction, mm-hmm. riding the motorcycle, ultra sexy, yeah. and just happens to be headless. Yeah, that's cool. Has so she didn't st- have a head like in her backpack; it was just gone. Yeah, no head. Interesting, but she I could still th- see. I think obviously, in the series, she's hunting for her head, mm-hmm. and that's like a plot point, right? But I don't recall. Does she? Can she like see some other way? 
She's a motorcyclist. She talks to people by texting and then showing them her phone. <laughs> so, That's cool. <laughs> so yeah, I I yeah, I should really have all the knowledge about the series before I comment further. No, I mean it's interesting. I want to watch it now. You've mm-hmm. but you've she sold makes me. she makes some jokes. She's she funny. Do, she does have a sense of humor. All right. Well, that's important. After and she's also through. murders people viciously. Cool. She's a dynamic character. Yeah. All right. That's hard to offer. Speaking of dynamic characters, mm-hmm. should we tell a story? Let's do, yeah. You have a story? Do you want to read it? Uh, yeah. Let's do it. Okay. The Brooklyn Horseman. Written by Abby Branger. Read by Alan Kudan. Thud, thud, thud. James whirled around, trying to find the source of the noise in the otherwise still night. Nothing. He saw nothing. He hated this neighborhood, but the subway was held up with a police investigation. The voice of his mother rang in his ears. Don't wear headphones when you're walking alone. Muggers are looking for someone who isn't paying attention. No one's going to mug me, Mom. James had smiled at her. He was six foot two and muscular, and male. A privilege that usually kept him safe. But not anymore. Not in this neighborhood. Something had been on the prowl in these city streets, attacking only larger men. No one had seen anything concrete. No CCTV cams had picked up any evidence besides a shadowy darkness in the aftermath, which usually involved lots of screaming and slashes around the victim's neck. No one had died. Yet. But James was anxious. Some of the wounds were serious. A few people were still in the hospital. They were unable to explain what had happened to them or describe the assailant. He knew it was a risk to walk the rest of the way, but he knew the police investigations on the L train could hold it up all night. He had worked a double, and he had to be back at the hospital in only eight hours. He quickened his pace. He passed by warehouses and lots filled with service vans. This was the industrial part of town. Thud. He heard it again. This was a mistake, he thought. He broke into a run. He was about ten blocks from home, Seven of those were avenue blocks. Maybe a 20-minute trek. This feeling of fear was new to him. He stayed alert. The backpack he carried made a dull noise as he jogged. Up ahead, he could see someone crossing the street. As he got closer, he could hear her speaking loudly on the phone. No, Cloudy, I don't want to meet you at Alligator Lounge. Don't you know there's a freaking pandemic? This is the second wave. How are you so stupid? Oh, they have outdoor seating? Are they still giving out pizzas with each beer? (laughs) Oh, okay. He wanted to call out, Don't go. You can get much better pizza literally anywhere else. It's not worth risking your life. But he didn't. He had learned very quickly after moving to Brooklyn that it was a gamble to speak to strangers, especially with advice. Best case scenario, they'd roll their eyes and ignore you. James jogged on. Passing the woman had set his mind to ease a bit. He wasn't totally alone out here. He chuckled at the idea of someone her size trying to protect someone his size. His mind snapped back to the gash wounds he had seen in the ICU. This was no joke. The hospital and local authorities were trying to keep it under wraps. There was enough panic around the pandemic and political climate, but James thought that was a mistake. People needed to know. They needed to protect themselves and take precautions. Thud. What the fuck was that noise? This time it sounded right up ahead of him. He couldn't see anything. Five blocks. He was five blocks from home. He promised himself that if he made it, he would try to reach out to the press. Maybe he'd go right for the New York Times. He wanted to protect his community. Thud. He ran faster. His backpack was slowing him down, but before he even had a moment to slip it off, everything went dark. A thick, black smoke fogged his vision. This is it, he thought. Thud. 
thud, 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 thud. Suddenly, the particles shifted. Before him stood a hellish figure, a woman on a horse. But both looked like they were turned inside out. There was no skin. There was only exposed organs dripping with blood, pulsing muscles. The horse's eyes were missing, but the woman's head? It wasn't where it should be on top of her neck. Instead, she held it above her like a lantern in the dark, her glowing neon green eyes bearing down on him. What should have been hair was replaced with long, trailing flame. James could feel the heat from where he stood. His body was shaking. What do you want? The headless horsewoman let out a shrill laugh. Things far beyond your ability to provide, dear boy. She lowered her head to get a better look. But what do I need? Well, that's an entirely different question. I grow weary of this body. I seek a new one. The horse took a step closer to James. I seek strength and young, fresh blood. Another step forward. James tried to back away, but the thick fog was more solid than it should be. It held him in place. I seek you. She started to swipe at his neck. Her fingernails were like razors. He felt his skin rip and blood starting to escape from his body. Stop, stop, don't you want to keep me together? Dear boy, I have no need for a new head. A head I have. And with that, her talons connected deep into James's neck. His head disconnected and rolled down the sidewalk. He watched as she pulled his body onto her horse and disappeared into the cloud of smoke. A few seconds later, his eyes stilled, his vision faded, his brain quieted. All was dark. What did you think? I like the twist. That she only wanted his body? She's a horsewoman. Oh, that she's a horsewoman, yeah. And she's in Brooklyn. Yeah. Just, you know, another up-and-coming young professional woman <laughs> trying to find her way in Brooklyn. Yeah. With an oversaturated market of horsewomen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes it's hard to write about stories that are like myths that are so specific because you're like, how do you tell it in an interesting way? But So, but she wanted a new body? Yeah, because she likes her head. Her head is where her brain is. She can't swap out her head. But she's only getting men's bodies. Well, she get she liked the men's body because it was bigger. Oh. So it was stronger. She's, she's, so she's very gender fluid. Yeah. Little, little mix and match. Yeah, whatever works. Yeah. She's going for the strongest possible Frankenstein body. Efficiency over aesthetics. That's right. I can appreciate that. Yeah, me too. One thing we didn't talk about yet in terms of headless horseman legend is why we think headless horseman legends exist i have an idea okay but i i don't really know do you have an idea so if you lived in olden times uh-huh when people ride horses at night and there's just you know one guy who's riding kind of in the distance yeah and like due to some weird position it looks like he doesn't have a head uh-huh right maybe you've had a couple you know down at the local tavern uh-huh and then you go right back in and say, you'll never guess what I just saw. <laughs> uh -huh. And then they go to the other tavern and be like, listen, my buddy swears he just saw this. And then that's how you start the legend of the headless horseman. So you think it's headless horse driving or drunk headless horse driving? No, I mean, the, the, no, the, the, the driver was not. But he was headless. drunk, so he thought he saw a headless horse. Just a guy. Right. It's very easy to have some kind of optical illusion, especially before streetlights. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's not like he had the headlights on his horse. Uh, it's true. 
you know, mm-hmm. and or if he was holding a, a lantern uh-huh. and was like fum, fumble, you know, he's fumbling for his keys or something off to the side. Yeah. You know, at the right time, could look quite headless. It's true. Was that what you're going to say? I was thinking it might be a way for people to deal with fear of dying. You know, that that's basically what I was saying. Right. Like like there's like these legends of like even if something really horrific happens to your body, there's like a way for your soul to survive. I mean, which is very general and right. Like why we think a lot of these like phase and myths exist. Well, but the, the counterpoint to that is never out. Well, outside the Arthurian one, uh-huh. outside the Arthurian one. Yeah. Um, most of these myths involved some like cursed somebody. And like the horseman was a malevolent force. It wasn't, oh, he's immortal now. So, and you, and you should be too. But I do think like on battlefields of this era, right. Mm -hmm. And before people are dying in like pretty brutal ways. You know, yeah, that's kind of badass. If you are leading a cavalry charge. Yeah. And then you're just like, you know, Hector, come here. Hector. Oh, he's, he's, this guy's the best. Send him in. He's got no head, uh-huh. you know? And then you just got him, this immortal horseman leading the charge. You're going to scare the crap out of everybody else. It's true. It's a good move. I yeah. mean, that isn't, that is also what happens in Lord of the Rings. With what? Or when with, Aragorn brings all of the like ghosts. Oh, with that, his freaking ghost cheating. Yeah. But isn't that what you just said? I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty similar, but Aragorn led that charge himself. He didn't rely on the positive optics of ghost soldiers well neither would you no of course not yeah because that's ghost cheating it's ghost cheating so cool i don't know someone actually so we put out on instagram a like open suggestion box for ideas Uh and somebody suggested headless horseman which was funny because it was one of the next few episodes on my list of like running episodes. Okay. So I was like, oh, well, that's like a sign of affirmation, right? <laughs> that we should do this one. And something about it makes, I don't know, maybe because it's like sort of New Englandy, but it, something about it feels like it's a good time to do it around Thanksgiving, you know? Maybe because it's still so close to Halloween. I can't picture this myth taking place really outside of like brisk weather. Right. You know, it's not like oh, or, summer sun, like yeah, sun. dead it rotting necks exposed. That's gross. Ugh. Yeah, screw that. Yeah. It's always a nighttime thing. I can picture it during the winter, but maybe just because like winter, dead trees, dead horsemen. <laughs> yeah, that's a good connection. You know, because in spring you'd have, you know, live horsemen. That's right. Re- reborn horsemen. Little 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 foul foul foals fowls. What's a little horse called? Pony. No. I mean, yeah, I guess so. Little hey, baby hey, ponies. Hey, Google, what's a baby horse called? Full. You're right. 14.2 hands is what separates the, the ponies from the fowls. So spring is baby animals. Yep. Baby horses. Rebirth. Baby horsemen. <laughs> baby horsemen. Yeah, yeah, I just, I can't picture like, it. yeah, you're right. It's just so tied to the the fall and the harvest and the pumpkins and can you picture a baby a headless baby on a baby horse no babies can carry around even, its little head can't even walk let alone <laughs> like a little a horse. cherub headless horseman it's pretty they don't need to walk they're strapped onto the horse at what age can kids walk walk one and a half one? or two okay they like start to learn around then i think uh because d- during like the days of the step tribes 
oftentimes children would ride, learn to ride before they could walk. Whoa. Because they grew up always, you know, hanging off their mother. Uh-huh. And they were such a horseback society that they felt more comfortable with the bounciness of a horse mm-hmm. than, like, it's like basically having your sea legs. Right. That's cool. Where What societies are those? So these are the tribes of the steppes, so Mongolia. Genghis, gotcha. You know, Genghis Khan and whatnot. That's super cool. I didn't know that. So yes, technically with a proper curse, you can have little baby horsemen. <laughs> I love to love to know it. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Remember to find some positive way to spread some joy this Thanksgiving season. Maybe there's a local food bank you can deliver some of your extra groceries to or, you know, just reach out to some relatives. It's a hard time of year and everybody is separated, but maybe there's little things we can all do to help spread the love. If you want a more personal approach. Yeah. There, so many people are not going to be seeing their families this year. Yeah. And for all the right reasons. So I think this is even, oh, uh, we have a a mutual friend of Matt O'Brien who every Thanksgiving just goes crazy and calls like every person he knows. Yeah. And just talks with them, wishes them a happy Thanksgiving, sees how just a, a big old, big old check in. I remember when he did that to me the first time I was like, cause he's your friend first right and so you knew him mildly right and he called me and i was like wow that was so like i don't even know if you and i had talked on the phone yet i was like wow that's so nice yeah he's he's really good about that and it it means a lot to me it means a lot to a lot of people yeah uh so that's something that everyone can do that's a great idea yeah just this phone call means so much to people Mm mm-hmm As always, you can find us at The Lunatics Project on Instagram, and we will leave links below for Facebook and, you know, Patreon, but we're The Lunatics Project everywhere you can find us around. Thank you guys so much for following, for rating and reviewing. All of that stuff is really, really helpful when you have a small podcast and you're trying to, you know, spread the word about what you're doing. I hope everybody who's in the United States has a really safe and joyous as much as it can be Thanksgiving holiday. And to everybody else, same. Please stay safe and have a joyful week. Um, And for those of you who are interested in joining the Patreon, uh, we have started a new promo um, in that if you are the one millionth Patreon subscriber, (laughs) Uh there is a $100 cash prize. Wow. Yeah, that's a great point. I can't believe I forgot to say that. Yeah. So yeah, please. and she'll send you some stickers. Yeah, t- stickers for everybody. I would love to send out some holiday care packages. So please DM me if you're spreading the word about the podcast. Awesome. We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some bonus content, consider supporting us on Patreon to access our patron exclusive podcast, Horror Movie Club. Also head to lunaticsproject.com to check out our spooky merch and apparel. You can find us at Lunatics Project on Twitter and TikTok and The Lunatics Project on Instagram and YouTube, where you'll find our short horror films, cemetery tours, and so much more. And please rate and review. A little feedback goes a long way to help us grow and get more content out there. Our cover art is by Pilar Kep, and musical bumpers are by Michaela Papa and Jordan Moser. <laughs>